hear me. Скажи мне, американец, в чем сила? А вы что, собираетесь на ней жениться? Да. Ух, красота-то какая, лепота. Таможня дает добро. Я вообще не называю меня, пожалуйста, Вероника. Кто я? Вот кто я? От русские земля, единый быть. Hi, my name's Ali, and this is the Roost Files Unite podcast, where we watch Russian films, or films with a Russian connection. As always, I'm joined by a guest, and today my guest is Lydia. Hi, Lydia. Thanks for joining me. Hello. Hello. Lydia's coming all the way from uh, California, uh, not that it makes any difference when it's, a, when it's a podcast. It's very, very far, though, still. All the same. It is. It is. Um, although, depending on where you're listening to us, it might be quite near you, but... Whatever. Um, Lydia, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do? Sure. I am an actress. I am a writer, a producer, and I am involved in a lot of different creative projects. Namely, I just produced one of my first short films called Clarence. That was very exciting. I write short screenplays. I write plays. I write full-length screenplays. I act in pretty much anything I can get my hands on. And I am very passionate about curating and creating excellent content. Superb. That is so many things. I don't even quite know uh, where to start. And now we can add occasionally guests on on a podcast. Okay, yes, absolutely. Thanks to you. So thank you. Yeah. Um, so uh, as far as, uh, as the acting side of things uh, is concerned, is that the, the one that sort of started you off on your creative path would you say yes I, I yeah I would say so I was in my first show when I was eight years old and I started taking conservatory style classes in I'm from uh, the Denver area in Colorado I started taking uh, very intense classes there at age 12 for acting so that is certainly the the way in that I've had. I was also, and I'm still a singer, but I trained for many years as a singer. So performing specifically is what brought me into this crazy, crazy artistic life. Cool. And um, you studied, was it theatre that you studied at uni? Correct. Correct. Yes. I have a BFA in theatre from Southern Methodist University. There's an excellent theatre program there. Very lucky to have been there. Oh, fantastic. And it was that uh, that theatre programme that uh, led our paths uh, to cross, I guess, indirectly. Correct. Yes, absolutely. So I was fortunate to have uh, the opportunity to study abroad through my university and through the scholarship programme I was a part of. And I came across an incredible programme that the National Theatre Institute uh provides to undergraduate students 
primarily Americans, although not exclusively. They take undergraduate students to study at the Moscow Art Theater every fall. It's one of the few relationships between the United States and Russia that has been very productive and consistent, uh, particularly since the the decline of communism. And so I believe my class, which was the fall of 2010, uh, was the 22nd year or something like that, that the National Theatre Institute had been taking American students to train undergraduate students. There are Harvard graduate students who go in the spring. So it was uh, my very good fortune to train at the Moscow Art Theatre for a semester. Yeah, cool. And uh, that that's an amazing, amazing thing to have been part of. And, and so great that considering let's say, historic tensions between the US and Russia, that there is this kind of tiny bridgehead between the cultures where, you know, people can get to get to meet. And Mm -hmm. it sounds really cliched, but see that actually they have people have more in common than uh, uh, than they might assume, I guess. Absolutely. That's very true. And in fact, there were many occasions where we came to realize just how much the, especially the Russian teachers who've now spent many a fall and spring with various American students have come to really enjoy or savor certain American things. For example, we took classes six days a week. Uh, It was pretty much from nine in the morning until six at night every day. And aside from Sundays and one brief trip to St. Petersburg, our only day off in the entire semester was Thanksgiving. But there's a tradition at the Moscow Art Theater where the students who are uh, from the States, or we had um, another student and during my year from Canada and another from Australia, but we prepared a Thanksgiving meal for all of the Russian teachers and our professors and the leaders of the school. And we're told by many of them that American Thanksgiving is now one of their absolute favorite days of the year and that they really appreciate it and enjoy it. And I have to say it's one of the best Thanksgivings I've ever had was making it for my Russian teachers. Oh, wonderful. And you say that's something that happens every year that the students put on for the teachers. Yep, every year. Oh, that's so fantastic. It's been very cool. Yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving is a is a fixture in, in my life as well. And funny enough, my first Thanksgiving, and indeed, I think my first four or five, were, were all in Moscow. So, uh, yes. Oh, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, oh, it's, it, it's a, yeah, it's a fantastic uh, tradition to get to be uh, a part of. Now, in terms of your sort of overall experience while you were in in Moscow, um, well, first of all, remind me how long were you actually there? So it was like a semester, is that right? Correct. Yeah, I was there from uh, for about three months, from September through December. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, because I I I know I met you like a couple of times, or th- mm-hmm. yeah, maybe three or four times in in that time period. Um, that sounds right. Yeah. I remember a Christmas party at some point. But anyway. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, I do too. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. Obviously, yeah. Quite a, an intense time. How how did it compare with your expectations of what it was going to be like? If you think back to that time. Sure. My my hope for studying abroad was always that I would go to a place that would push me and challenge me both as an artist and as a person. And I specifically chose uh, to apply to this program, the Moscow Art Theatre Schools, 
fall semester uh, because it is advertised as being one of the most challenging, and that is not that is not wrong. So, uh, from a standpoint of the curriculum that I was studying, um, again, it was we took classes six days a week. We had acting for three hours a day. Um, every day we saw shows upon shows upon shows and some of the most incredible theater I've ever seen. Some very interesting theater, which maybe didn't work, but where hmm. uh, huge risks were taken. I was just exposed to a lot of a lot of beauty and expertise. And so I was appropriately challenged as an actor. I uh, We took Russian language, we took ballet, we took acrobatics, stage combat, Russian theater history, Russian cinema history, and were thrown into the the Russian tradition of becoming a total artist. The expectation is that if you are an actor, that you are the best of the best and you are able to do anything and everything as opposed to being specialized in one specific kind of work. And so you learn to grow your body and your understanding, your awareness in every facet, whether it's intellectual or emotional or uh, spiritual, and you become an ensemble member in a way that is, I think, a unique Russian strength is helping actors learn to be teammates and to really work together. Um, so that was appropriately challenging and lovely and wonderful. And I could talk for hours upon hours about my training. And just being in Moscow was uh, just a delight. I fell in love with the city. I still love, um, I reminisce on it all the time. I sound like a one of Chekhov's three sisters crying, Moscow, Moscow, to all my friends in the States. And they don't quite get it, but that's all right. Um, it's a challenging city. The language is difficult, but I love languages. And I, I loved being around this bustling culture of so much happening, whether it were whether it was artistic or, or business or just the sheer fact that you have so many different styles of architecture right next door to each other as uh, products of various different eras in Russian history. It's a huge um, uh, art project in some ways, and it's fascinating. It was challenging and fascinating and wonderful yeah it sounds like you had a, a really a really great time there and yeah I can certainly relate to the wanting to start stories you know that and I, I'm sure I do there this one time when I was in Moscow and I, I almost can see people rolling their eyes and going oh no <laughs> <laughs> right oh here he goes again here she goes again yeah yeah um oh gosh where to start with with following up questions to to all that um i'm i think i'm going to go along the line of the uh, the languages uh, side of things as that ties in with the film we're going to watch uh, for this episode sure um in fact in terms of the films we've covered on this show so far this is the first one where we've actually got some western actors getting their larynxes uh, or whatever your voice boxes vocal cords um, I don't know what I'm talking about, um, around <laughs> around the Russian language. All, all the ones we've watched so far have either been Russian films with Russian actors, you know, speaking their native language, or it's just been um, like a Russian story. So it's people have just been using their sort of regular a accents. So um, I guess you can probably uh, empathise with uh, our sort of leads. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so 
the film we're we're what we're going to be watching is uh, Eastern Promises. So you've seen this one before, is that right? I have, correct. Yeah, um, I've seen this one bef- before, but it, it it's a little a little while ago now. Um, how about you? Is this like a relatively recent watching or? It's probably been. It's. I'm. I'm sure it's been over a year. It's probably been about two years since I've seen it, but I've seen it a couple of times, okay. maybe maybe three times. But it's been a while because it came out some time ago. Yeah, I was just looking it up on IMDb earlier, and um, I think it came out in two thousand and seven. So it's now a ten-year-old film. Oh, ten years. Yeah. Wow. Yes, it's, it's always a, a time flies. Yeah, it's always a little scary when you kind of think of something as like, oh yeah, that that just came out a couple of years ago. A couple is now ten. Uh, it's now mind. a decade, right? Yeah. Mm, when things start being a decade ago, um, we're getting old, Alistair. Yes. We'll get we'll get shot down for saying so, but yeah. not shot down. <laughs> but it just happens to everyone. It does. It does. So, um what are your memories of uh, uh, of the film? Uh my memories of the film, the probably the first memory that comes to mind is just how talented an actor Viggo Mortensen is. He is just truly wonderful in this film. He's very uh, it's a difficult role to play and he is not a native, he's not Russian and yet he portrays a Russian and his, uh, his language work is excellent. Um, and I think as a character, he is a delicious, sometimes troubling mix of what is good and what is wrong or dangerous. And I think there's a great, uh, element of fighting for redemption or fighting for hope that he sort of carries just very strongly within him in the midst of a a dark situation. I, I recall being very sort of shocked by the film, but drawn in at the same time. I think it's, it's very well structured, very well written. The other actors are, are excellent and, it's one of those movies that I get excited to watch because I think there's a lot to talk about afterwards. It's a film that if people are in love with it or if they they hate it, probably everyone has something to say. And I think that's a good starting point. Oh, certainly. I, I mean, I think this is definitely a film that I can't see somebody being indifferent about, you know, because there are exactly plenty of films out there where you watch them and you go, meh, that was... That was some time spent, I guess. Which is, you know, it's a terrible thing to think when you think that hundreds of people have spent many hours, you know, working on that. And you just kind of go, yeah. But, you know, some creative endeavours come out better than others. But it definitely... Agreed. Yeah. And it definitely seems to be... I don't know. Have you seen any other David Cronenberg before I talk about him? I uh, probably have, but for the moment I'm... I can't think of which films I would have seen. Okay, because um, I haven't seen a ton of his stuff. Um, the other things I've seen of his is A History of Violence, mm-hmm. um, also a Vigo film, and uh, well, what's the other one? Oh, The Fly, which is a, a, an earlier film uh, with Jeff Goldblum. Right, I love. I have not seen that. I do love Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I, I haven't seen him in a ton of things. I mean, he's he's always very entertaining when he when he does show up in stuff. Yeah, he um, is. I used to love Independence Day, so he's a he's a favorite. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it used to love. I, I notice is is the tense that you're employing there. Uh, I, no, I should I should stop being mean. Um, no, it's it's mostly just because I haven't seen him as, in as many things. I've sort of forgotten. And I'm like, oh yeah, I like that guy. He's really good. There are a lot of talented actors in the world. <laughs> there are, yeah. Obviously, um, some more so than others, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Oh well, I, I won't get you to name names because I think that would be uh, that, that would put you <laughs> dangerous. In, that would put you in a difficult <laughs> difficult position professionally. I'm sure. Um, Very true. Yeah, but it, intensity is. Uh, um, is a thing about about his his films, I guess. Yes. Uh, it's, and he's not interested in doing it unless it's uh, unless it's some some challenging material. So I guess uh, uh, listeners be be aware that if you decide that you're going to watch this this film, it's it's probably the toughest film that we've watched for this program so far. I mean, if you're a US listener, I'm almost certain it would be R rated. I don't know how it would not be. Um, and I believe it is. Yeah, and. Uh, over an hour end, um, it's it's an eighteen. So um, so yes, uh, bear, bear that in mind uh, when uh, when you're sort of choosing whether you want to watch along with uh, with us. Um, what when we were sort of talking about what film to watch made you decide on this one? It's a film I've always respected. I think as an actor and as a writer, I'm drawn to a lot of different kinds of films and not everyone is some people like to stay in a specific genre and only watch or participate in certain stories but this film is very it's very challenging it's very well executed and for me the the journey of a hero in any story becomes that much greater and that much more inspiring when he or she is confronted by a true villain or by things truly costing something and their decision to either do what's right or to keep fighting or keep persevering comes at great cost. And I think there are plenty of films that are inspiring or are enjoyable to watch, but movies that show an example of someone or or multiple people choosing to fight for something that they believe in, even when that's a difficult choice to make. When those stories are told well, I think they open up uh, the possibility that maybe we could do the same thing in our own lives. And I think this is one of those kinds of stories. That's a very interesting take because there's a, a lot, I guess, of more obvious films out there that might be described as inspiring. I don't think I've ever heard someone sort of interpret <laughs> use that with this film yeah <laughs> it's very true it's and this particular film is um it's i don't think you it would certainly not be classified as far as marketing is concerned as you know an inspirational family film or it's not a family film by any means feel, um, feel good picture of the year right yeah that's not eastern promises <laughs> <laughs> no um but I think it's, uh, it, and which is why it's appropriately, um, you know, for us rated R is that I think it deals with really, really challenging and difficult content that's hard to admit might be a reality in uh, certain people's lives in certain cities and pr- probably in every city. Um, and I think it's not inspirational in that sense, but watching people make decisions of courage can sink in uh, over time if, if what you're watching is is people making 
choices that make the world a better place, maybe you can make those choices too. Yeah, and it's certainly a lot more dramatically satisfying if you have characters in situations or just by the nature of the characters themselves where you're not quite sure what they're going to do. You know? Absolutely, because that's life. I mean, we don't know what we're going to do, and, and many a film feels like it's a cookie cut out for you and you know exactly what they're going to do, or, oh, they're going to go through this challenge, but it's all going to be fine. And, yeah. and maybe some people will feel that way about this film as well. But I do think that that's the power that films and theater have to offer, is that they give audience members a chance to step into a story and think there but for the grace of God go I Mm. that could be my situation Um, or that's not my situation but now I have a more empathetic understanding or I'm inspired to care or to uh, cause change in in new ways but it all starts with the humans and that you connect with the humans that are on the screen and that comes down to really good writing really good acting yeah because it's 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 one thing to have the perfect script but you have to stating the obvious but you have to you have to pull it off yeah it's it has to be embodied well yeah absolutely okay and and um just picking up another point um the setting um that's that's something also we should mention going in although a lot of the characters um we're talking about are russian or sort of of russian uh extraction in some way um it all goes on in well my capital city i guess london so (laughs) so that is another sort of interesting angle is yeah how do people sort of live alongside each other um i think that's something that definitely comes up a a lot in in the film so we'll have to uh, have a look at that uh in part two uh, as well all right i agree um, yeah, that's that's actually kind of a uh, as just a sort of aside. I feel in a slightly weird situation of knowing the Russian capital much better than I know my own capital city because I've, <laughs> I've visited London quite a few times over the years, but I lived in Moscow for five, so that that's that's all. It's a different relationship. Yeah, yeah. Although I was I was an expat or economic migrant into into Moscow. Um, so I had a slightly abnormal experience from if I was just a, a Russian moving to the city for, you know, under more standard circumstances, I guess. So, sure. yeah, I sort of experienced it around me, but mm. didn't sort of feel, even in five... That's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and obviously, because of my job, I was interacting with Russians a lot, but for most most of it, it took a long time to get good at Russian. I was interacting <laughs> with them in my language rather than theirs, which you know puts you on a sort of a different footing. So um, yes, yeah. So anyway, um, okay. Well, I think that's uh, certainly gives us some things to be thinking about as as we watch the film um so we're going to launch into that now um and what's uh, what we do uh, on this program is we speak some russian um so uh, it might be dredging up uh, memory for from uh, a little while back for for you lydia <laughs> but um do you recall what yuri gagarin said when he was blasting off to become the first man in space oh shoot you know, actually, I don't. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm not a very good student, am I? Um, remind me. Uh, it's Payechali. Payechali. That's the one. Payechali. 
I do like that word. Yeah. Um, and it's it's funny because it's, it's just something you can say just in normal life if you're in a car and you're setting off on a journey. And yeah, that's what you say. Payechali. Off we go. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, cool. There are... There are many, uh, many good one-word Russian phrases that seem to encapsulate the perfect energy, just like that. Yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting comparing it to English because a lot of the time in Russian, it's very economical. You can just use one word, mm-hmm. and it's not always the easiest word to learn how to say. True. But uh, but yeah, once you've got it, it's like ah, oh, fantastic! I don't need to say like string a whole sentence together. I can just you know, convey something. I have this magical word. So, on three, one, two, three. Payakali! Hello and welcome back. We've just watched Eastern Promises and Lydia is going to give us a quick summary of the plot. Now, we're not always great at doing this, but uh, I thought this time it's very important to let you know that there will be spoilers. So spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, there are some pretty important twists and turns. And if you don't want to know what they are ahead of time, we suggest you go away and watch the... Don't go away, but... uh, in a more polite, <laughs> maybe pause the podcast and uh, watch the film and then come back. If you're not too bothered about things being revealed ahead of time, then proceed on with us right now. Okay, so over to you, Lydia, with the plot. Awesome. All right. So we have Naomi Watts. Her character's name is Anna. She is a nurse working at a hospital. She or a nurse slash doctor. She works um, with newborn babies. And a baby comes into her life through the death of a young prostitute with a journal that Anna starts to investigate. She comes to find out that this woman was somehow connected to a restaurant where there are some Russians, a very, very nice Russian restaurant. She encounters uh, Nikolai, who is a driver for the restaurant, played by Viggo Mortensen. She encounters Simeon, who's the owner of the restaurant, uh, as well as Simeon's son, Kirill. Uh, and he's played by uh, Vincent Castle, I think is how you say his last name. And Simeon's played by Armin Mueller. Anna is very much trying to figure out where does this baby belong? Her mother died in the hospital. She's trying to find a home for her, and she asks her Russian uncle to translate the journal at the same time that Simeon expresses interest in translating the journal. We come to find out through this journal translating process that the mother of this young baby was a prostitute, and there's some speculation as to who's running this prostitution ring. Um, 
It's very dangerous and mysterious for a while. We find out that Simeon and his son, as well as uh, several others, are a part of a Russian mafia uh, in London, and they're doing all kinds of scandalous things, um, one of which is prostitution. Um, Anna is befriended by Viggo Mortensen's character, who tries to kind of help her out a little bit, but Simeon and his son gradually try to take control of the situation. Simeon gets Kirill to kidnap the baby from the hospital and in the attempt to drown the baby because, as we come to find out, he is in fact the father. Simeon is the father of this baby. And so he could be convicted of statutory rape. We also find out that Nikolai, played by Viggo Mortensen, is in fact an undercover agent who is infiltrating this Vorivokonya um Russian mafia, and he helps Naomi Watts rescue this baby. And it is assumed come the end of the film that he is still inside the ring of bad guys trying to perhaps um, take them down from the inside out, but also he's sort of become one of them by the end of the film. So the baby is rescued. Some bad guys get punishment, but there's still some ambiguity as to what the future holds. Okay, well, that's a wonderful summary. Thank you, Lydia. So, um, as we discussed in part one, this isn't the first time you'd seen the film. You'd seen it a couple of years ago. Correct. Yeah, and you were definitely very positive about the film in the introduction. Did On this viewing, did it live up to your previous uh, sort of uh, remembrances of it, I guess. Absolutely. Yes, it did. There were some things I noticed cinematography-wise in some of the earlier shots that oh, yeah. I I noticed, oh, this is, this is a little... There's a scene, I think, with the uncle and Anna's mother that felt a little bit stale to me, but I think mm. that was more of a shooting, sort of choice of shooting. Um, and I was looking at some of those things more now because... They pop out at you after watching the movie a couple times. You're, you're starting to analyze after having been enchanted. But I would say overall, yes, very much so. I still think this film is one of, one of the best films I've seen. Um, and, and still very relevant, I think, and particularly because of the, the caliber of the actor's performances. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely one of, I, I, can't quite remember but i think there i don't know if he got a nomination but there was certainly talk around the time yes he, he, he did get one he did yeah vigo mortensen was nominated for best actor for this he didn't win but he was nominated okay yeah yeah because i think it was just, this was the sort of the time where people were saying you know they'd known he was a good actor for a while but right this was a really sort of attention grabbing performance and i think the fact that he'd had bigger role with in Lord of the Rings had meant that he had the clout to get, you know, more leading performances, I guess. Yes, very true. Um, so let's, yeah, let's talk a bit about uh, about his his performance and the specific things that you, you really enjoyed about it. You know, it's funny, I was watching it, rewatched it with my husband, and the minute you see Nikolai come out, he was like, he's just so cool. He's so cool. <laughs> and um, I think... The breakdown of that statement is that he just really owns his space and owns his presence. And that's what the character does. You know, he's very much 
he's grounded, he's, uh, you know, wherever his allegiances may lie, the way that he carries himself is very grounded and subtle. And he doesn't need to speak a lot to carry a lot of power. Mm. I think it's pretty clear early on that he has so much in him. You might not know what it is. It's the mystery and part of, of the character he's playing, but he's so invested in this character that he, he, it looks sort of effortless, which I think is particularly impressive given the fact that Viggo Mortensen is not Russian and he's playing not only a different nationality and and speaking in a different language but he's also taking on uh what can be a stereotypical mob guy mafia kind of role but i think he does it with the kind of passion and compassion as we come to find out that makes him a really interesting uh character but i think I think so much of it comes from inside because there are plenty of scenes where he doesn't say a whole lot or, you know, active (laughs) fighting scenes or whatnot where you just get this, like, the earthy, gritty groundedness that's in him, whether he's speaking or not. And I find that very impressive. Yeah, I mean, he's an interesting contrast with his sort of immediate boss, which is uh, Vincent Cassell, uh, Mm -hmm. Kirill. Because the, the, the word I have for both of them written down, and it's a great performance from, uh, from Cassell as well. Yes, it is. But it's it's doing a very different thing. They both have um, like a certain swagger. Yes. Um, but the 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 feeling that I got, and I'm I'm pretty sure this is this is very intentional, is that Nikolai is sort of the real deal, whereas mm-hmm. um, Kirill has all this vulnerability going on, and he's hiding it underneath this sort of bravado. I'd say. Yes, I agree, and I think that's something he does so well is that um he, as Kirill he is so good at um managing that yeah that swagger he's got that sense of you know don't mess with me i'm i'm this tough guy yeah important i'm special yeah and i'm tough well at where at the same time you see you see a couple of things leaking out you see his need for affection whether it's from his father or from nikolai or from whoever he has this sensitive sort of desperation and then at the same time has this sort of erratic energy that's very all over the place and kind of explosive like especially when he's he's been drinking or um or whatever the case may be but he's got both of those leaking <laughs> and yeah. they seem to combine for a really impressive performance yeah i mean his character is a sort of a total loose cannon i mean yeah the, the thing we start off with um early on in the film um is a really graphic and brutal murder that uh that kirill has ordered that his dad is not really very happy about right uh, basically because someone else has called into question um, Kirill's masculinity. Um, and he's basically, mm-hmm. because he's so insecure, he feels like he has to, you know... Kill the guy. But this is the course of action he pursues, but he gets everyone else to do his his dirty work. Right. Yes, he does. And that, oh, as we flagged up in the beginning, this film has some really tough stuff in it. And at, at one point, Kirill orders Nikolai essentially to to process the body of this guy who's been who's been murdered and Nikolai says to the couple of guys 
present, including Kirill, uh, I think you might want to leave at this point. Um, and as the audience, you're thinking, yeah, I think I'd like to join them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll step out. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you, well, you see one thing, uh, which is uh, very, um, if you're squeamish, probably look away. <laughs> uh-huh. Which I think also that contributes to how Nikolai comes across is that, you know, he's mm. the person that deals with this kind of thing. He's not afraid of processing the body and what what that might entail he's not afraid of looking uh you know kind of looking at dangerous or ugly things square in the face and he may have ulterior ulterior motives as to why he might he might do that and yeah. it's not necessarily that he thinks it's okay to kill or to murder but he's willing to be in that world and look at it without fear in order to get where he wants to go yeah, I mean, it's sort of this utter commitment to getting the, the the job done. I mean, and just in that scene, he's so nonchalant about the thing that he has to do, which... Yeah, yeah, he is. He really is. Yeah, I, I guess we can probably, as we've said, spoilers. Um, he, he has to essentially make this person more more difficult to identify by cutting off their fingertips and also taking out... Uh, um, all of their teeth. We don't see any of the teeth coming out, but we we do we do see one of the fingers being snipped off, and it's uh, mm-hmm. and that was one of the things that definitely, even though it had been probably about ten years since I saw the film the previous time, that really stayed with me. It's not not an image you can easily forget. So mm-hmm. it's true. And this movie is is sure full of images like that. I mean, even from the very first scene, you're it's like, be that. oh, oh, it's going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be that. All right. And, um, and that's, and certainly that's not everyone's kind of movie. And I respect that. But I, I do think that of the films that have graphic violence in them, I do think this film uses the violence purposefully that it's telling the story and contributing to who these, yeah. who these characters are and what this world is and how, how dangerous this world is. So you have a sense of the urgency with which everyone is you know, walking on eggshells as opposed to just, you know, slash, slash, bang, bang, because gore and guts and yada, yada is fun. It's yeah. it's very much a part of the seriousness of where this, the the sort of emotional culture in which this story takes place. Yeah. And, and that, that also goes as far as there's, um, there's a, there's a sex scene as well in it. And it's, it's fairly graphic, but at the same time, the way it's shot, it's not, it's not glamorizing it at all. Right, you know? not at all. Because I think in other hands, it could be really, it could be done in a. You feel icky, but you're yeah. supposed to, and it's not going. Oh, wouldn't it be great to be, uh, to be Nikolai right. right now? And it's like, no, this is really, really horrible. Essentially, yeah. Um, Kirill orders Nikolai to prove that he's he's not gay because. They can't have somebody who's gay in their in their gang. Uh, it sounds, it sounds mm-hmm. like I'm being flippant, but um, uh, but yeah, that's that's essentially one of their one of their rules. Um, and so he has to he has to prove it by having sex with a woman in front of him, which is you know just some of the charming things that uh, Kirill makes you do if you if uh, if you report to him. But um, yeah, right. but in other hands, that could have been done in a really I don't know. Yeah exploitative way i think and yeah that's a good word for it yeah and i didn't get 
that vibe off it. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. I think there are many things in this film that are graphic and they I mean for example the again spoilers but the fight scene in the banya is I think one of the most has become one of the most respected fight scenes and again spoilers so watch the movie it's great yeah. um but Nikolai is completely naked and he's attacked by two men who are completely clothed and the the sheer brutality of that kind of encounter is it you know it just the danger is that much more prevalent because mm. he literally has no armor. He has no clothing whatsoever to protect him. Yeah. And he has no weapons. He's fighting two men with knives in a hot, sweaty space where you can't find footing. Yeah. And yet he manages to survive, but it's not, you know, just about. <laughs> this. Yeah. It's not just a battle with swinging kicks and punches and those can be very fun, but this really feels like a fight for his life. If he doesn't, find a way to to fight back in spite of the fact that he's at a, a incredible disadvantage he will die and you see just how capable he is because he's able to overcome everything that's set against him and the fight choreography is just extremely well it's well done and it's visceral and it's very true to life as opposed to it, about it being flashy you know it's it's graphic um and, you know, he, Viggo Mortensen is a brave man to do a whole fight scene naked, but yeah. it also contributes to his, you know, he's, he is so vulnerable. I mean, it's hard for any of us to imagine being in a fight at all. Many of us have not experienced that, but to do so with completely exposed, you know, it's, um, it's, uh, I think the, the, fact that that is a graphic fight scene even though it's still shot very you know i would still say it's shot pretty tastefully mm. uh contributes again to just how dedicated this man is and also what the struggle is like to stay alive in this kind of world yeah and again it's it's purposeful as as well it's not just oh well we'll have the fight in the banya because then we can have Viggo Mortensen naked, and wouldn't that right. wouldn't that be great? Um, it's it's right. more like um, we haven't touched on this yet, but a big th I'm sure you'd say it's a theme, but an aspect of the of the film is the tattoos that uh, yeah. that the Russian uh, mafia guys have, and I mean part of um, Nikolai moving up through the ranks in this gang he's he's got quite a lot of tattoos already um is is getting some some new ones to kind of indicate his joining this uh this gang and being sort of like a full member rather than uh, a hanger on and so he's in the bathhouse as much as anything so that people will see who he is um mm -hmm. by by these uh, these tattoos um and if you were to if you if your goal was to kill someone you set your cards just right so that you are the most likely to win so yeah. you know what better place to try to assassinate someone than when they are they're completely available to you and not by any means expecting to be attacked they have nowhere to hide they have nothing to defend themselves with so strategically it makes sense that if they want to get rid of him then that's that's you know you would think it would be pretty easy for them to get rid of him with that in mind. But unfortunately for them, he's quite a force to be reckoned with. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I almost don't know where to where to go on from there because it's, so, it's <laughs> that's true. It's yeah, it, it it's it's a quite a thing to to behold, and 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 yeah, like you were saying, it just is how you would imagine a fight under those circumstances actually being. It's I mean, right. I, I imagine Viggo Mortensen must have had bruises for weeks after. <laughs> I imagine so. I mean, it's, he's still taking falls on that hard on that hard tile. Yeah, I'm sure he was bruised. Yeah, I mean, obviously you've got people choreographing and people, you know, supervising to minimize the amount of the amount of hurt. But I, yes. yeah, I I just don't think you can do something that convincingly without <laughs> incurring a certain amount of of, of soreness. Um, yeah, and I think as an actor, I think sometimes. Uh, people, audience members can forget how hard it is to fake pain, mm. that the actor is acting the pain because they're not in pain. If they were, then they would not be on that film set, would be working someplace else. Yeah. Um, but anytime an actor is, is in pain, they are saying, it's okay if I look like a fool, I'm going to scream in pain, or I have to embody that my arm was just broken in half or mm. that my face was smashed to the ground and that that's in its own way a challenge because you're still carrying all of the character development and the wants and needs of the person but you're also now acting a physical state which is whether it's drunkenness or you know Kirill with he plays a very good drunk um mm. or Nikolai in that fight scene he's the fight doesn't work if there are no reactions you could be really good at punching but if your scene <laughs> partner doesn't receive the punch it's not believable and so to have a safe fight scene that comes across that visceral as a testament, not only to Viggo Mortensen, but to the, the two men fighting him, whose, whose names I don't have in front of me right now, but uh, it's a really impressive acting performance in addition to a physical uh, choreographed per- performance. Yeah, and just looking comfortable as far as, maybe comfortable is the wrong word, but when you're performing that scene in those circumstances with a naked guy... That mm-hmm. must be kind of a difficult one to just get into the mindset to begin with, just because there are scenes that I'd imagine you'll be acting that are, you know, not a million miles away from your everyday experience. Right. You would hope that this this particular scene is a long way <laughs> away. Is a million miles from away. Let's what, hope so. What you're normally getting up to, yeah, yes. Oh, just an average run-of-the-mill day. Went to the barnyard, got into a massive fight with... <laughs> lino knives or whatever they are but you know i've been there before so it was no big deal just an average friday um right yeah (laughs) absolutely i mean we've already touched upon a a little bit of the the themes of the film um incidentally incidentally just in the course of the discussion but what would you say are the big themes i would say doing the right thing even when everyone is telling you not to hmm. is part of this is is a theme in this i think being brave in the face of perhaps your own death hmm. is a theme um taking on scary circumstances even when they're scary and and standing your ground instead of running away are themes i also think there's a theme of there are themes of redemption and forgiveness i think acceptance and choosing to 
be the better version of yourself rather than the not. Mm. Think hope, hoping, you know, that truth is worth fighting for. There's, you know, sometimes we think, oh, well, the truth just, we say, you know, the truth will out. Well, yes, that may be true, but it doesn't will out without people's actions. Yeah. And so we're not going to find out who the father is of this daughter, or we're not going to find out that Simeon is a, uh, you know, the ringleader of this mob. We're not going to find out that so-and-so has died or this person did that if someone doesn't actively try to expose that truth. And I think that comes at a cost and comes with great bravery and, you know, endangering yourself, whether it's Naomi Watts's character endangering her family, or if it's, you know, Nikolai constantly endangering himself as he's trying to infiltrate this, this group of people, you know, he's always at the mercy more or less of the people higher than him. Mm. But I think, you know, truth is worth fighting for, but it, it comes at a cost and you have to be ready to stick up for that and stand your ground if necessary. Yeah. I'm so glad you, you uh, mentioned uh, Naomi Watts because we haven't really talked to her about her at all so far. True. Um, and in, in, a, in a lot of ways, she's the audience's kind of way in character. Yeah. Because it's, it's pretty difficult to get your head in, into, into the mindset of the Russian mafia guys. But yeah. I think, I mean, I'm not somebody who's all, you know, all that excited about sort of mob or sort of gang based films where it's all in that world and all of the characters are part of that. I find right. this really interesting because it has that world intersecting with a more familiar situ- situation. And I mean, at one point, Nikolai says something like, stay away from us. You're nice people. You should stay with. Uh-huh. And yeah, you just kind of think, you know, what would I do if if I was in Naomi Watts's situation? Because, yes, yeah, she's repeatedly in places where the more pragmatic thing to do would be to just sort of take a step back or think, well, this is really the police's job. Right. But she... I'll let them handle it. Yeah, yeah. But in order for them to actually be able to handle it, she has to put herself at risk. Um, And she... And it's not... You know, like so many of us in our own lives, it's not that she went around saying, I really want to be a hero today. So no. give me a challenge. You know, she's sort of thrust into this scenario where she gets to make a decision as to how she's going to respond. Um, you know, she's she's not an undercover agent like Nikolai. She's not a police officer or someone who is you know, she's she's chosen to be an obstetrician. She's chosen to do something good for the world by bringing, you know, new humans into into families and um, helping with the process of birth, which is amazing. But that's not necessarily the same thing as saying, you know, give me a really ambiguous moral dilemma and let me at it because that just sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah. And I, <laughs> I don't think that very many of us want that either. You know, we think, oh, I'd like to... I'd like to get through my day and I want to, you know, do something good in the world and do something I'm passionate about, be able to pay my bills, feed my family. And yeah, that, you know, that sounds like a, sounds like a good day. And yet we too are confronted many a time with decisions as to whether we're going to help someone or, or give money to something or someone's hurt, or we've hurt someone in our own lives with something that we did. And we get to decide whether or not we can apologize or, you know, we're, 
we're strong enough to say we're sorry. And all those kinds of things are very rarely asked for. And more often than not, we just find ourselves in those situations. So I like that we see her finding herself in this situation and not really knowing exactly what to do. But I think she's sort of the moral compass of the film. She's, uh, you know, trying to do the right thing. And, uh, and yet she's, kind of separate from this darker world like you said she's sort of our way in yeah and i mean in her attempts to do the right thing at the beginning she kind of messes up and that yeah. sort of sets sets things in motion um yep but um i, I really uh, just in not just her character but but all of the characters have layers and you know they're not just one thing but i like the fact that they give her a sense of humor you know, she's not just somebody mm-hmm. who is just sort of grimly determined, you know. Yeah. And and also in a film where I think so much of it is about this particular kind of really rather misguided ultra macho interpretation of masculinity. She kind of does a certain amount of just kind of puncturing that, you know, particularly when she's talking to Nikolai and he's doing his, you know, I'm really cool and tough routine and she's uh-huh. just like yeah whatever um i like when uh he offers her or I, it's towards the beginning of the movie and he's t- you know he says cool bike um and he's you know says you have far to go or or whatever and or he says you want to get a drink sometime he's like i'm done for the night you want to get a drink and i love that she just doesn't say anything she just gets on the bike and drives away you know she's she is as naive as she is at certain times she also has yeah this sense of just kind of puncturing their coolness you know she's she's not taken in by their coolness sometimes she you know she's taken in by some of the the suave facade that Simeon puts on but she's also got a nice yeah sense of spunk that she that she carries as well yeah i mean again we haven't talked about him too much um i mean molestal who's who who plays simeon just watching this a second time i i I remember thinking oh how was i i think i was taken in by him the first time round as well but when you know that he's the gang boss all along you just you just pick up on little things that it's sort of just these little sort of red flags in the distance you go oh I mean, I don't know. Yep. I don't know whether that's just I'm older and more cynical since since I watched this for the first time. But uh, yeah, he's he's a really odd guy because he does this this you know wonderful, charismatic and charming act when, in fact, of anyone we have in this film, he's definitely the most the most ruthless and has done some of the worst things. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's he's a a great uh, great performance and a great look as well i mean those just really piercing blue eyes it's uh yeah he's he seems he feels dangerous which is impressive to me as well because as an actor there's one there's he's not necessarily trying to scare in every scene no, sometimes no, no. i think he is trying to intimidate but he carries this sense of this presence that is intimidating that is scary to a sense you know when he was he's first talking with anna in the um in the kitchen he's feeding her borscht and saying you know you'll come here i'll translate the diary and you get this kind of creep factor yeah like oh i don't i don't know do i trust him do i not i don't know he seems so friendly he made me soup and he's an interesting guy but 
I don't know. And I think... And he has this nice, fun restaurant, to... and everyone right. loves it. he has this... Know? Everyone loves him, and he's, you know, he's got a got a, a productive business, and and yet he's... I don't know that I can trust him entirely. And I think that's a, a tough quality to carry, because... It shows that he has something going on under the surface as far as what he really wants from this woman and then also what he says he wants from this woman. So as an actor, he's he's really got the inner life going as far as I am the leader, I run the show. And then also, oh, but for this woman, I can decide to be this thing to try to get what I want from her. And uh, yeah, those eyes are just so full and and intriguingly scary at times which is it's pretty cool to see yeah it's it's sort of interesting because you that's it's almost just a it's a given physical attribute rather than a specific performance thing but it yeah it does it does really really work and i mean i think that's yeah credit to the the casting director (laughs) um yes (laughs) very true and that i mean that is true that's why some casting choices are 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 better than others at times. It's not to say someone else couldn't have played that part, but whether it came naturally or if he had to work on it, this you know this man was really rooted in who this character was, and that's just like you know uh, Nikolai feels very rooted in who he is, and and Kirill seems not not rooted as a character trait, but the actors are really rooted in who these people are. You don't get the sense that they're playing at a character; you feel like they really are being that character. So we've we've talked a lot about the um the casting choices and the and the performances uh, but what else what other elements for you you know help to make this such a such a compelling film I noticed this time around and I I think I soaked this in when I've watched it in um previous years but the sound is really well just really well managed. There's a lot of silence actually in this film. And when there is music, it's often that very Russian violin, um, minor chords and sort of, sort of makes you think of fields and false promises or Eastern promises, <laughs> haha, as it were. Um, but I, I, I think the, the soundscape is really nicely edited and, and mixed. I think there's, um, very s- smart choices have been made in that regard as to when things are silent and close and intimate and when they're a little more epic or sort of uh, almost almost weepy in a way. Um, so I was definitely mindful of that this time. There are some cinema- um, cinematography choices that I think are really strong. The ending with the with Anna and Nikolai or yeah excuse me Anna Nikolai and Kirill with the baby that they're back at the same place where Nikolai dumped the body earlier and here Mm. we are back with the baby we have this juxtaposition of death and life we have the choice to choice to live the choice to die we have kind of a soft warm glow of hope between Nikolai and Anna as they cradle this baby and you almost get sort of a um you almost get a biblical image there in a way, but certainly just a parenting image, whether, you know, they, obviously they're not going to be parents together to raise this child, but that collectively they've come together to save this child's life. And there's a sense of light there. There's a warmth to the tone. 
that contradicts, you know, the very cavalier nature with which they dumped the body in earlier in the film. So Mm -hmm. choices like that where things are being paralleled back and forth. I think the final shot with Nikolai just sitting there and, you know, we hear the voiceover of the young woman talking about coming to this this new place full of hope and you see this man just sitting in the same restaurant in the same chair that we've seen Simeon uh in before in the film and just that slow push in of the camera in towards him with him saying nothing that kind of choice is very it's very simple but it's very sharp and I think there are many choices like that made throughout the film many uh very wisely chosen long shots, some shorter shots that, you know, are more percussive and heighten maybe the pace of a certain moment. But I think this movie's not afraid to be slow and it's not afraid to be quiet. And as a result, when things do pick up or when there is more sound, it means more for this film. And I think that's a good choice in being economic with your storytelling and making everything purposeful as opposed to it being a cookie cutter story. I think a lot of really thoughtful preparation was put into as, as with any film, but um, I think the choices really pay off how thoughtfully prepared the sound and cinematography were in this film. Yeah. Um, I mean, so many different uh, points to, to pick up and, and develop from that. And um, in terms of the, yeah, the purposefulness I definitely really got that sense as well. And you mentioned it not being afraid to be uh, to be slow in places. Yeah, I definitely definitely agree. And the, the 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 quiet, you know, amongst the the sort of the louder scenes. But um, it's also a very efficient film. I mean, it's it's only just over ninety minutes, which is pretty unusual. Um, yeah, it is uh, to encounter most most films. Kind of feel like. They have to be two hours plus in order for you to feel like you've got your money's worth with the... Sure. Especially with the the amount of content, you know, the kind of... Yeah. the the Especially the adult nature of this content, the fact that it's, hmm. you know, it's just about an hour and 40 minutes is, yes, like you said, it's very efficient storytelling. Yeah. And, and at the beginning, you have lots of really short scenes and there'll just be little conversations a lot of them, or just you'll see somebody go out of a, you know, just uh, get out of a car and walk into a building. But it just kind of gets you where you need to go quickly. Or it's not a long expository conversation. It'll be a conversation about something else, but you'll you'll just learn lots about the characters quite quickly. Um, and so, yeah, I really appreciated how much it just didn't, mess about as far as getting you you know getting you into the middle of the of the story yeah and once you're in then you can you know take your 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 time a bit more right then you start to unravel more of more of what's going on i know many films um i was just at a screening where james mingold who directed logan was talking about how many films see confusion as the enemy but sometimes you want the audience to be a little confused because confusion just the right amount is good mm. it leaves you wanting more wanting to find out what's going on and i think this film makes use of the the voiceover of this young this young woman who was falsely led into prostitution but who thought she was coming to london to be a singer and to have a new life that's a device that's being used for us to understand what's going on and and who is this character what's happening in this new place but it's also 
something that is threaded throughout the entire film all the way up until the very last moment. Mm. She's the last voice that we hear as we see Nikolai and she's talking about, you know, these, these promises of, of something new, of something better. And so even though it's a device that's used for exposition, it's also very much a through line that's weaving together the whole story. And I think that's a perfect combination of, of structure or technique married with actual character, actual storytelling. So it's contributing both to our understanding and also to our enchantment. Yeah. And uh, having the, having an, uh, a narration and also having uh, an actor speaking in a language that they didn't speak with a thick other accent because uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the girl's voiceover is in a thick Russian accent. So you could have argued um, that she should have been speaking in Russian and that should have been subtitled. Mm-hmm. Um, because normally you kind of think, oh, having having her speak in a thick accent is not necessary or is a, a is a bad choice. And also narration is, you know, sometimes thought as, as being a lazy uh, device, uh, if I'm not repeating myself there. Um, but I think it, it really it really works well in this situation. Um, mm-hmm. And also the nice thing about that is because in terms of the the girl, we only see her alive for about a, a minute and a half at the beginning of the film. But because we've got her occasional narration, and they don't lean on it too heavily, but it comes in at significant points, you know, through the diary, you get the sense of, you know, she is just as much... Um, a real character and a real person in this film and that she's not just a plot device, you know? Right. Um, and she's respectfully treated as well. And there's a line um, that uh, Anna's uncle says um, at uh, at one point, um, and he's, he's in many ways not a particularly um, sympathetic character in lots <laughs> of ways, but he has he has his sort of good sure. moments as well he's he he just says um you know essentially his um anna's mother is saying look we should stay out of this um we're just ordinary people you know we shouldn't get involved and and he stepan the uncle says but she was an ordinary person too which out of context like that it sounds it sounds a right. bit kind of hackneyed and maybe that's just <laughs> the the quality of my uh uh of my delivery right here but in the <laughs> moment you just you go wow yeah uh good for you stepan because you've so far you've not exactly covered yourself in glory but <laughs> right right well and and we remember you know that this baby didn't just pop out of snow she's no <laughs> from somewhere she was she was birthed she was born she was she had a mother and and it it would be easy to forget that because the baby becomes more crucial to the plotline, but really only because the mother died. You know, that's unfortunate, but true in the story that she doesn't take up as much space simply because physically she's not embodying space in this film. But we realize through her voiceover that she was an ordinary person who wanted to lead a better life and look where it got her. It was to a terrible place. And, and I think there are many people all over the world that are interested in taking advantage of people's 
dreams and hopes and using them for their own profit. And I think we realized that this girl, like so many girls and boys all around the world, was manipulated and and encountered a completely different scenario than she was expecting. But yeah, she was an ordinary person just like any of us. Yeah, and there's and there's just an irony there when people when, you know, we're talking about the place where she was from. It's this grim, poor village essentially um in russia and you know she's going to london and london's you know a wonderful place but it's not as simple as that because she go- right. ends up going from a hard difficult place into just a, a living nightmare essentially and it it just kind of challenges that oversimplification of russia difficult and hard britain lovely nice you know right I mean, it's kind of obvious, but... Everything works out great here, and... Yeah, it's a land of dreams and opportunities. It's like, well, yes, in... in Under normal circumstances, yes, but, um, yeah, there can be a, a sort of a, a, a darkness under the surface that, you know, maybe we are too willing to to sort of turn a, turn a blind eye to and, and not do what's needed to sure. yeah. stop things like that. I don't I don't I don't know. I don't know what I'm advocating uh, the implication sort of policy implications of, of, of what I'm saying. But uh It certainly starts with awareness, I think, on on any person's part. And and it, you know, I I myself am not in London. I'm not in Moscow right now. I'm I am where I am in Los Angeles, California. And so I am privy to the sphere that's around me. But if I'm not paying attention to at least what's around me, then I'm missing out on helping my sphere. So I'm not responsible necessarily, or, you know, they're now thanks to technology being so amazingly global and, and universal to a degree, there's the opportunity to help or to, you know, make the world a better place on a grand scale. But I think it certainly starts with being aware of the needs in your own small community. And sometimes it's just what comes across your table, just like, this baby came into into Anna's life and she had to decide what to do about it. Sometimes things just arrive and you think, oh, oh, now's one of those watershed life moments where I, I have to make a decision or do something really, really hard. But it's here. It's in my world now. And either I can ignore it or I can, you know, I can live up to all of the best that humanity is meant to be. Yeah. And in that way, that sort of ties back with yeah what you were saying Um in the in the intro section, as I said, it was a long time since I watched it before, and I, I must say, I was I was quite um, I was quite skeptical when you said this was an inspiring film. I was, I was <laughs> understandably, yeah, I, I understand. Um, I was I was slightly uh, dreading rewatching it because most of the stuff that had stuck with me was the was the kind of really uh, uh, visceral and, and sort of awful stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, definitely, I enjoyed the rewatch um much more than um that i was anticipating i mean that doesn't mean that grim stuff was less noticeable or less palpable but i think sure. this time around um i could see that aspect of it of it more but i was also able to yeah appreciate the the craft of the thing and just you know how nicely it's 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 put together as uh, as well it's just it's it's just just really well crafted um yeah thought provoking 
um, yeah. film. Yeah, I agree. All right, I think we should probably um, uh, conclude uh, our uh, discussion there. But a um, couple of questions before um, we wrap the uh, the program up. Um, I guess would you um, would you recommend this film then uh, for people not particularly interested in in crime dramas or sort of Russia related stuff? Um, I I would. I think I'd recommend it because I think it's a good film. I think in my recommendation, I would give the caveat of, you know, mind you, it's graphic. Uh, it's it's difficult material. There might be some trigger warnings for for people that um, have have for however a degree been involved in something of this nature. So I would I would recommend it with warnings. And, but then I would also recommend it saying, you know, it's, it's a good film, whether you are interested in Russia or interested in London or, you know, cause certainly not all, you know, the danger of, I think a film like this is people could walk away from it being like, oh yeah, all Russians are in the mob and they all live <laughs> in London and they're all terrible people with, with inferiority complexes. Or, and that is certainly not true. Yeah. Um, or if you're a British person you could uh, you could interpret it as and this what is why we shouldn't let any foreign people into our country right right exactly and so i think it's always important to remember that stories are told to in in at least in my opinion the best stories are told because the story merits telling but that doesn't necessarily mean that one story is representative of an entire group of people or that it's representative of you know, in, of a city in its entirety. I think there's, there is the tendency to watch a film like this and think, oh, okay, so I should think this way about this kind of people or think this way about that kind of person. And I think most important is to say, oh, well, these characters in this story, who, which happens to be fictional also, it's not a, you know, it's not based on, it's not historical fiction. Uh, these characters, I can respond to them in a certain way, but that doesn't mean that this nationality is always this way. So, you know, I think I would recommend it because I think it's a good, it's a good film. It's got really good acting in it. It's got great character development and storytelling. It's very thought provoking because some people don't like it. And then you get to talk about, well, why didn't you like it? And I would almost prefer to watch a movie where people either like it, you know, have strong feelings about it one way or the other, because that produces conversation rather than just, well, you know, meh, there's not really anything to talk about. Yeah. So let's go watch something else now. <laughs> yeah, we whiled away 90, um, 90 minutes and, oh, well, we, right. won't, we won't remember uh, that them was kind in of a waste of my life. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think this film in particular, I mean, even when it came out, people were saying like, oh, that's the one with that like fight scene in the Banya, right? Blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. Do I want to see it? And I think it's it's it has been a movie that has been controversially uh, received and some people, you know, really didn't like it or did. Uh, really appreciate it, but it, there's a lot to talk about, and so on that basis alone, I would recommend it. Yeah, and it's it's definitely one of those, as you say, it's good that you caution people about those those elements, but it's it's much more than just the sort of relatively s small number of really shocking things. It's like just yeah the the subtlety of the of the conversations and yeah just the way and like and like i may have said this in the in the intro but i i think with any movie if 
your villain is kind of a wuss, then your hero doesn't have anything to overcome. And there are certainly circumstances in our own lives where we have to overcome something and it's kind of small, but it's still a victory. But I think the danger of this movie is very important to showing just how much it takes to overcome evil, really, in the world. It's not like it's easy to just you know, do the right thing. It's difficult. It's difficult to overcome your own temptations to selfishness or, you know, your own habitual actions of hurting other people or just thinking of, you know, thinking of yourself first. And so I think the the danger, which is uh, manifests in many ways in this film through the violence, but just that pulsing sense of of danger and mystery is is crucial to understanding how hard the the goodness has to fight to to take the top to conquer and so i think it's meaningful in that regard yeah absolutely um thanks very much lydia for joining me it's it's been oh my fantastic pleasure. to get the insider's perspective as far as the the acting is concerned so that's i've really appreciated that um, before you go, is there anything you'd like to direct people towards uh, in terms of things you're involved with? Sure. Uh, I produced a short film that I wrote and starred in called Clarence, which is available on YouTube. You can watch it. Please do. I would love to to share that with people. And um, the I'll have the link for you guys. Also, if you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, both at TallCap. And that's T-A-L-L-K-A-P-P. You can also check out my IMDb page. I'm there as Lydia Cap Gutilla, G-U-T-I-L-L-A. And yeah, if you have any questions or you want to connect, send me a message. Let me know that you listen to the podcast and I'd love to chat. Okay, great. Thanks very much, Lydia. And yeah, we'll definitely have to go and check those out. Thank you so much, Alistair. Okay, das Vidania, folks. Das Vidania. So that's it for this episode, but before I go, I'd like to thank Sasha Ilukovic and the Highly Skilled Migrants for the use of their song Cold in our intro. You can find that song and the rest of their back catalogue on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a rating at Apple Podcasts or at podchaser.com. That second one, Podchaser, even lets you rate individual episodes, so if this episode particularly stood out to you, you can let other listeners know that you enjoyed it. Recommending the show on social media is hugely helpful as well. If you can spare a moment or two to do that, it would really make my day. Thank you, thank you very much. Speaking of social media, please find us and say hi on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop us a line at roosfilesunite at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, take care of yourselves, and bye for now.